Well, guys, happy Sunday morning to you. We are continuing our series, Ben Don't Break, When God Allows You to Wait. And this is a topic that I know is, hits home to me, and it may hit close to home to you. Let's have a little bit of fun with this before we jump in. Now, Time Exodus study that showed 11 things that people hate to wait for, and then how long it would take for them to, to react, for them to take action, for them to do something about it. A car in front of you at a green light. How long do you think it takes people to do something? 50 seconds. People said it would take 50 seconds. Guys, we can't even get through the light at the International Parkway where uh, Chick-fil-A is in 50 seconds. Like, we got to get going. I'll be the first one when I'm hungry for Chick-fil-A, Christian chicken. I mean, I will honk the horn. Get going. Can't stand in the way of people who are hungry for Christian chicken. How about this one? People to stop talking during a movie with a shush. How many, are, how many of us in here are shushers? It takes a minute 52. It takes a minute and 52 seconds to shush someone. How about parents to quiet down a loud baby with a dirty look? Two minutes and 41 seconds. How long is it for us to take to uh, handle late coworkers? Three minutes and 54 seconds. How about waiting at a doctor's office? 32 minutes. How about waiting at airport security? 28 minutes. How about waiting for your significant other to get ready? 21 days. No kidding. No, no, no. 21 minutes. How about waiting in line at Starbucks or maybe the Stafford Lakes McDonald's? Seven minutes. Wow, some of y'all are really patient. How about the late blind date? The late blind date. It's 26 minutes. And then someone loudly talking on a cell phone in line at the grocery store. Two minutes and 25 seconds. How about someone late to an interview? Man, some of you are all patient. Two minutes and six seconds. And the truth is none of us like to wait. Right? None of us like to wait. While some of us have more patience than others, waiting can stretch all of us pretty thin. And when we are thin, either we bend or we break. For some of us, when we are stretched thin, we have a very, we break, man, and we break on those closest to us. Have you ever said something to your spouse or said something to your kids that you regret saying, but because you were just stretched thin, you're patiently waiting, and then all of a sudden your patience wore out? And so in this series today, we're going to see how Joseph had to wait years to build back the reputation of his integrity. He had to wait years for that to be restored. And we're going to pick it up. Joseph's in the royal prison for allegedly raping his boss's wife. Time to us is different than time to God. Have you ever spent time with God? Maybe praying, reading the Bible. And then you looked up at the clock and you realized that 15 minutes felt like two minutes. And we're going to see that time to God is different than time to us. Time is like an island to God, while time is like a moving train to us. And we're going to understand why that is. And so the question for all of us to, to ask is this, how do we react? How do you react? How do I react when we believe God is silent? We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, and yet God is silent. How do you and I, how do we react when God is silent, when we believe that God is silent? So last week as we continued our series, we started out every week this way. God made a promise to Abraham. 
And so that was Joseph's great granddaddy. He made this promise, and it was an unconditional promise, which means that no matter what Abraham did, no matter what his kids did, his grandkids did, his great-grandkids did, that God was going to honor this because it solely rested on God to fulfill. So God makes promises, and our God keeps promises. So in this promise, notice what happens. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. So in the waiting, God never gave him GPS coordinates. He never told him where to go. He just says, I want you to pick up your stuff, and I want you to go. So in doing that, he was still waiting. He says, I will make you into a great nation. In order to be a great nation, what would you need? You would need to have kids. So I just want to quick call a quick time out because this was something that him and Sarah had to wait on. They waited to have their son Isaac. In fact, they got a little ahead of the game. They waited for years and years for their son to come. And they tried to get ahead of God's plan by Sarah giving her maid over to Abraham. Abraham and the maid have a baby. The baby's Ishmael. Then years later, God announces to Abraham that he and Sarah will be expecting. And notice what Abraham does. He fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Like she's able to actually give birth at 90? Like I appreciate Moses putting this in there. I, I love that he put this in here because Laughter is important as we wait. God not only reaffirmed his promise to Abraham, but he restored Abraham's ability to laugh. The only thing worse than waiting is to wait without the ability to laugh. Laughter is part of living. Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Two of them, Joseph and Judah, play a huge part with getting us to Jesus. So last week, we left off with Joseph having success in Egypt. Joseph's success wasn't just his ability and his commitment to God, but it was God being with him. He provided Joseph the success, which allowed Joseph's boss, Potiphar, to enjoy the success. And this goes back to the promise that God made to Abraham that whoever blesses his descendants would be blessed. And then his success is short-lived. As Joseph is in the royal prison, for allegedly raping his boss's wife, notice what happens next. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Man, I love those five words. The Lord was with him. There are going to be moments in our lives where we feel like we are waiting. We feel like that we're waiting is unfair. It's unjust. But God is with you. If you are a follower of Jesus... God's Spirit lives in you. You are never alone. God is with you. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Do you see the theme? Joseph is really good with numbers. He's really good with administration. He's really good at organizing things. He's really good at leading. 
Potiphar trusted him with everything. Now the warden is trusting him with anything. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Guys, it was unfair that Joseph was in prison. But God didn't waste it. He didn't waste Joseph's waiting time. God allowed for Joseph to use his strengths, to use his gifts, to use his abilities to continue finding success even in prison. And Joseph wasn't wasting time as he waited for his integrity, the reputation of his integrity to be restored. And perhaps he only believed it was a matter of time. And then something unexpected happened while he's in prison. So sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt, who's Pharaoh. He was angry with his two officials, the cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. What are the odds of that? The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. What are the odds of that? And after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. What are the odds? What are the odds that they are in prison, they have a dream on the same night, and there happens to be a guy who is really good at interpreting dreams? When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. Now, I want to stop there for a second and think about this. Does this sound like someone who is angry at the world, angry at the world, excuse me, killing himself with bitterness and hate? Like, is this a guy that is allowing the bitterness and the hate of his circumstances to eat away at him? No. It sounds like someone who had peace about his circumstances because he did the right thing. How many of us can be so affected by waiting that we lose it? We lose it on people close to us or we find ourselves with little patience in other things. So we asked the Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him, he's like, why do you look so sad today? And so they said, we both had dreams, but there is no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said, well, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. God allowed Joseph to have this gift of interpreting dreams to be used. And so they begin to tell him the dream. So for the cupbearer, he dreamt that there was a vine that had three branches. It budded, blossomed, and its clusters became grapes. He squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and then put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then for the baker, he dreamt that he had three baskets of bread on his head. The top basket was filled with bread baked goods, but birds were eating them out of the basket on his head. So Joseph interprets the dreams this way. For the cupbearer, he would be back to work in the same position within three days. And the baker is like, oh man, this sounds really good. All right, what's my interpretation? Because man, if if he's going to get back to work, of course I'm going to get back to work. And Joseph said, no, you're going to be executed in three days. And notice what Joseph tells the cupbearer after his interpretation, listen, when it all goes well with you, because we know the baker's not going to be around, but you're going to be around, remember me and show me kindness. 
mention to me, to Pharaoh, and to get me out of this prison. Notice what he says. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. This isn't something I wanted to do. This isn't something I, this is not the place I want to be. And even here, I have done nothing wrong to deserve being put in a dungeon. I've been lied about. I've been lied to. This isn't fair. This isn't right. This is unjust. And yet everything that Joseph interpreted happened. But there was a snag. The cupbearer forgot all about Joseph. And then two years go by. And then Pharaoh has a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows. This is the dream. Sleek and fat and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile, sat beside those on the riverbank, and the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate the seven sleek, fat cows. The Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up, and it had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. He couldn't figure this out. And so he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. So here we go again. Here's another opportunity with dreams that Joseph has no clue. He has no idea the Pharaoh had these dreams. So the cupbearer owns up to his mistake. He's like, listen, he sees what's going on. He says, oh, Pharaoh, I, 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 man, I messed up. There is a guy by the name of Joseph who interpreted my dream, and he did it effectively. And listen, I, I think you need to get him. No one else can interpret this, but I believe that he can. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph to interpret the dreams. Joseph tells him, listen, I can't do this. I can only do this because of God's help. God allows me to have this gift of interpreting dreams. And he says, Pharaoh, I want you to tell me the dream. So Pharaoh tells him the dream. And he says, listen, God is revealing something really important to you. Those dreams are one and the same. They really are. There's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And then the wait is over for Joseph. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. So you, Joseph, you, you will be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. He goes from being a slave to the prime minister of the world's only superpower at the time. This isn't something that he could have even wished for. If he would have been on his trajectory, he would have never have been able to experience this. But did you guys notice that quick little detail? Being the prime minister, you would have gotten a signet ring. You remember who else last week who had a signet ring? Judah. You remember how Judah was so careless with his, but yet we're going to find out that Joseph is so careful with his. Joseph's 30. He's installed as the prime minister. He has 13 years, 13 years of being sold into slavery to now being the prime minister. 
13 years is sometimes for some people is a lifetime. Notice, remember the question I asked is, how do we react? How do you react? How do I react when we believe God is silent? From Joseph's story so far, waiting time isn't wasted time as God uses it for his purposes. Time to God, remember how we talked about this last week, time to God is different than time to us. Time is like an island to him, while time is like a moving train to us. Thirteen years for us seems like a lifetime, but yet it was the exact time for Joseph to go from being sold into being the prime minister that ends up saving his people from starvation. See, time is for our benefit. It's not for God's benefit. It's for our benefit. He's outside of time, but yet he's involved in time. We are subject to time and the conditions beyond our control. Like, think of planting. Um, I grew up on a farm. I know all the work that it takes. So during COVID, that pandemic, my wife says to me, you know, Jenny says to me, she says, I, I would like to do like a raised garden bed and we want to do some some vegetables. I mean, everyone was bored. So sure, we did this. So I built a raised garden bed. We filled it up. We planted. And then it's been dormant for like three years. This takes work, right? Planting something, whether watermelon or pumpkins, you can't force those things to grow. You have to wait. You have to wait. Have you ever spent time praying or reading the Bible? You looked up the clock and you're like, how did 15 minutes go by? Because it felt like two minutes. See, time with God and living out his purposes makes life go by so fast. Because time spent with God is different than life spent with other people. And here's why I say this. Because when you're in the presence of God, and day feels like a thousand years and a thousand years feels like a day. And the truth is, we don't like to wait. You don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. We don't wait well. I, I love what Ashley Hale says in A Spacious Life. Waiting reminds us that although we have agency or we have independence, we are not ultimately in control. For those of us who find value in achieving, working hard, crossing off tasks on our to-do list, waiting can push us into a tailspin as it unhooks the linchpin between who we are and what we do. When forced to wait, we must reckon with the deep questions of identity, who I am, when I am not productive. What if waiting weren't something to get past and hurdle over, a blimp on our race to the top? What if waiting is an invitation, this is so good, to see ourselves as children again dependent on a good father? Our model is Jesus. He waited 40 days after his baptism to go and start his public ministry. 40 days. And those 40 days were filled with suffering. And he was being tempted by the enemy on his identity. If you really are who you say you are, if you really are God's son, then you should do this and you should do that. And Jesus leaned into his identity as God's son. He meditated on the scriptures and they were the first things on his mind as he fought off that temptation. See, scripture kept him going for 40 days without food. 
See, there is pain in waiting. For some of us, we are so frustrated because God didn't intervene here in our life. Or God didn't stop that from happening. And there's this tragedy that happened to someone that was close to us. Like, why would God allow that baby to die? Why would God allow that house fire to happen? Why would God allow those things to happen? We have to be careful because in so many words, we're saying, well, if I was God, I would not let that happen. We've got to be very careful. Because when we are suffering and the pain that we are feeling when we are suffering can only be filled by God and his promises. There is a level of connection that you have with your heavenly father that I have with my heavenly father when I go through pain. When I go through pain, when I go through suffering, I'm able to experience an intimacy with God that I can't get if everything is going well and everything is rainbows and unicorns. See, I believe that Joseph's pain was filled by God and his promise to him. So, instead of maybe asking God to intervene and stop, maybe it's time for us to say, okay, God, how can I trust you when things seem unfair, when things seem unjust? What can I do to trust you? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time for us to look at something that's really heavy. For some of us, it's very unfair. It's not right. And I ask that you will help us in every situation that's unjust, that's unfair to trust you. Allow us to give you our pain. Allow us to give you our questions. Allow us to give you our doubt. And I ask that you would fill our pain. Remind us that waiting time is not wasted time. And you provide us opportunities to be used by you for something so much bigger than us. It's about your story. It's about Jesus renewing all things to himself. So God, remind us that you provide us opportunities as we're waiting. For those in the room, those watching online who have been resistant and they're resisting you because of some unfair things that they've seen in their life, whether overseas on the battlefield or whether they've seen in a hospital room or whether they've seen in an accident as a, as a, as a first responder. I ask that you would set them free. I ask that they would trust you with all their questions. They would trust you with their pain. Father, prevent them from trying to be you because there is something that happens in our relationship with you that can only happen when we experience pain. So God, help us to be humble and to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.